You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre, I'm looking at these pages you have in front of me, and there's just too much reading. I know I, know, I write a for a living. For you. It's a lot of words for you. I write for a living, but I really, uh, unless somebody's getting murdered, I'm really not interested in reading. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just reminded of that quote from the Simpsons movie when uh, President um, Schwarzenegger is picking the plan for the doomsday device. I was elected to lead, not to read, plan B. Yes, and that's exactly what they have now. Well, anyway. I guess before we get into what we're actually going to talk about, because there is a lot of uh, documentation in front of you, we are tasting the 2017 13th Street Witty Vineyard Gamay. I don't know if I've tried that one. I think I tried the 16, but not the 17. Where'd you get this sucker? Uh, it was included in a package. I did a recent tasting on air on Newstalk 1010, talking about the um, Into the Bubbles event, oh. which was awesome. And if you pay attention to underwinereview.ca, uh, you'll see my write-up on that event. Um, man, just just a note to Wine Country Ontario. You guys got to keep doing these events. Like, um, it's really giving a, a, a cool factor to the well, Ontario that's a wine industry. Event, right? Yeah, the, the, into the into sparkling winos did that one. I, yeah, I was just speaking with uh, with one of the winos today, and uh, they were really happy with the event. So. Yeah, it was a cool venue. A lot of great wines. Everything represented from uh, entry level right up to top tier. Uh, Trias Rosé showed well. Pixie from Rose Hall Run showed well. Uh, the Sparkling from Ravine, Outstanding. The mm-hmm. Premier Cuvée from 13th Street, Outstanding. Brut Mad Nature from Hidden Bench, Outstanding. Carte Blanche from uh, Henry of Pelham, Did you Outstanding. Just, did you just want to get the list of wines they poured? I know, it was all it was all just a solid event. But anyways, we'll, we'll move off of that. Anyways, um, I know I've been really jazzed about 13th Street. Oh, God. It's working yeah, baby! Into my, into my lexicon. Love like, it! You know I've been pretty jazzed about 13th Street over the past couple of years. And I know I've even told... Um, I've told Ilya, I've told JP that uh, it really feels like the winemaking has turned a corner there. So if you're someone who's kind of fallen away from 13th Street, now's the time to rediscover it. And, um, yeah, what do we think of this Gamay from 2017? Cooler Vintage? 99! I can't believe you went there. No, it's not. It's nice. It really is a lovely, uh, it's a lovely Gamay, 17. Obviously, uh, a bizarre vintage. I think that's the miracle vintage the miracle that vintage, they call it, yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously, Gamay would have would have come through a lot better than, let's say, Cabernet Sauvignon would have come through. Yeah, cool this is nice. It's grape. light. It's got good, like, cherry, very delicate, like a tiny bit of um, like blackberry on the finish. Great acid. This is the a acidity great, is great. wine. Acidity is great. Uh, and I know I, I always tell people that Gamay will age longer than they realize, but I don't think this is one that will age a terribly long time. I think that acid will clobber the fruit. Might come together a little bit in six months, but definitely something worth getting out of your way to buy. Two to two to three years, I would give that under screw cap, maybe up to five. Yeah. Um. So that's a nice nice seal on that one. And uh, I like the I really like the acidity and the red fruit. I really like how the red fruit jumps out of the glass on this one. So let's get right into our topic. It's been a while since we've talked about is I, the VQA a okay? Well, uh, this is uh, first of all, it's I, I would say it's a easy four star. That's if yeah. you're looking, if we're looking for a score. I, I wasn't yeah. going to worry about the score. Okay, easy four star. Uh, okay, so you yeah you have three things in front of me, and yeah. I remember getting a uh, a brief memo, uh, and then I was I ready forwarded to... you these documents, which you did not take the time to read. No, because I thought I had them, but as it was, I had like the point form sheet, and somebody had sent me and says these are the four things that are being considered. Yeah, and then you went about going even further because you are 
from a news talk background. That read everything. <laughs> read everything. And uh, so now I'm looking. So where do you want to start in this crazy... Okay. Well, I guess I guess before we get into the documents, we should just say there are three proposed changes four. to VQA. I'm only one, looking two, at three. One, two, three, four. Okay, this is all under one heading. Correct, but it's four changes. Okay, fine. We're going to talk about four changes. Four. Okay, okay, fine, Michael. Okay, so why don't we talk about... Uh, uh, let's, let's go with this one first. I think it's the easiest one to deal with. Okay, but I, I think it's the one that you and I are going to agree the most about. So we can agree quickly. Okay, so yep. first off, so right now, VQA is both a designation on a bottle yep. and the name of the regulatory body that, that manages the the, the... They're the gatekeepers of the rules. So let me just read this and the purpose. How about that? Okay. So it says, change VQA Ontario's corporation, corporate name to Ontario Wine Appellation Authority to better reflect the regulatory responsibilities of the organization and reduce confusion about its mandate and activities. Fucking Yes. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a win too, because I know we've talked about it in the past. I know one of my concerns as a client is making sure that we don't dick around with the VQA logo or the VQA name, because I think we have a hard enough time right now as a wine-growing region in making sure that the average consumer, not the people listening to this podcast, right, the, average. The, the, people that, the people who are listening to this podcast have for dinner are aware that VQA means 100% Ontario into the bottle, but for us who are a little bit nerdy... Changing the name of the uh, Ontario Wine Appellation Authority might open the door to changing different designations on bottles. Correct. I have said for years that we should have something like the Italians, which have DOC and DOCG. So you could have VQA and VQAG. Yep. And just to explain what that is, DOC means that the grapes come 100% Italian. You can make whatever the heck you want as long as they follow the, the certain rules. Yep. The G is... That's where the tasting panel comes in. Does yep. it taste like a Barolo should? Yep. Does it taste like a Chianti Classico should? And that's what it's what it's all well, about. Well, and even if we've talked about eliminating uh, a tasting panel down the road too, like I, I, all controversies aside, if you read, there's some controversy going on in Saint Emilion right now, but that's something that we should dig into at a later date. But um, you can put Grand Cru on your bottle if you follow a really strict set of rules on how to make wine. You can make Bordeaux. In Saint Emilion, you're going to still do it anyway. Yeah, you got to follow, but you got to follow very strict. A Correct. Very strict but back to this, I think this allows them to play with VQA and give it other designations, VQAG, um, yeah. and then and then the Italians. Think, let's look at the Italians. They have IGT, yeah. which is which is um, besides what it means, the the theory between behind IGT is that they are non-traditional grape varieties grown in traditional places. And they don't fall under table wine. They are yeah. higher quality than and, table and, wine. And I know that we're uh, we're sort of putting the cart before the horse. But the important thing is it lays that groundwork as the industry grows and gets bigger, and it should make things a little bit uh, a little bit easier to you know affect changes. Yeah, and I and I what I think and I, what I hope that turns into is that as long as people can say you know what it's a hundred percent Ontario grape, you can do whatever you want. So now, um, that's that's. Well, you got your reading thing. glasses on. I do have the reading glasses on, but yes. So that's that's what I'm hoping that that change leads to is that look, instead of so much regulation, look if you can prove that it's 100% Ontario grapes, you can kind of make whatever you like, yep. and then move on to a tasting panel, uh, and then have other designations. So we're all for that number one. So number two, let's go with this one for discussion. Allow the production of non-vintage dated wines, table wines, under the Ontario origin label. 
to allow wineries flexibility of blending vintages when producing table wines. I, I'm a, I'm, I want to say I'm a firm no, but I don't think I'm a firm no. Yeah, you, I'm you, a were, you, soft no. You were a firm no until before I hit record, I mentioned a couple things to you. Correct, but I'm, I, all, what comes to mind is something like uh, Vegas Sicilica, Sicilia uh, Unico, which is what they do. They blend a whole bunch because it doesn't yep. have uh, a vintage date. It's just a, a bunch of blends. And yes, it becomes an iconic wine because of that. What worries me is that people are going to take advantage of this. And here's, we'll and here's it. the thing is, I hope that people take advantage of this. Because if you take a look at the larger wineries, and let's be honest, wines that end up being non-vintage dated table wines are likely not wines we're going to be talking about on this podcast or drinking. But what I hope is that um, this is something that some of the larger wineries, places like Peller, or uh, Constellation. Wait, does Constellation no, make ICBs? No, it'd be Vincor, it'd be, it'd be actually Artera, the company, but it would be under a number of their other labels. Anyway, it's just the companies who are still manufacturing ICB wines, this would, hopefully give them, this would hopefully give them some flexibility to create um, a VQA table wine, even without a vintage on it, so that consumers know that it's coming from Ontario. And let's just say, hopefully, that is a little bit more reflective of the terroir, even if the, even if the quality isn't there, but... When I was speaking to David Stasiak of uh, of Rockway, I mean, for a wine for a winery like that that makes boatloads of their Patio Nine, this might help them create a more consistent product year in and year out. And I mean, that's once again a wine I think you and I both love having in our house. Not something we're reviewing on a regular basis. Look, Patio Nine is a, is a decent little exam patio wine. Yep. But when I'm talking about Vegas Sicilia the Unico stuff, we're talking about a wine that they have made so iconic and it is expensive and it is something that people oh, and collectors... The okay. Yeah. So what, I, what I'd like to try to avoid is that cheap shit. And if somebody is going to make something like the Vegas Sicilia and make it something okay, so unique, something so... I don't know where to go with this one. I think it has to be... And as much as I hate regulation... Uh, when it comes to this, I think this is something that has to, if they do pass it, it has got to be regulated to a point well, where it can't... Well, of course it'll be regulated. But, I mean, it's got to be regulated to the point where it's like you can't just put shit in the bottle because you can't put it anywhere else. Well, here's the thing. is the, These wines would only ever be certified VQA Ontario, which means they would have to pass a tasting panel still. But then again, we go back to question one if we get rid of a tasting okay, panel. Okay, okay, but getting rid of a tasting panel, like that's not even that's not even remotely close to this. Like that's gonna be a down down the road sort of thing. I think that um, non vintage dated table wines um, could be a way of taking large amounts of um, wines from a weaker vintage like twenty seventeen which is now sandwiched between two very hot vintages, 16 yeah. and 18, yeah. and hopefully bumping the quality up, and maybe we'll see people moving away from a cellar in Canada to a higher quality entry-level VQA wine. I don't know. I'm on the fence about this one. I'm, I'm, I'm originally a hard no, then a soft no. I'm no, a still a fence sitter, but uh, you know what? This is one of those uh, non-vintage dated table wines. Somebody's got to make... You know what? Somebody's got to make one that just shows that we can do a good job with it, I think. I just don't want shit in the bottle for, sh for the sake of shit in the bottle. 
That's no, I don't want to drink for. shit in a bottle either. That doesn't sound very fun. Correct. So that's I guess somebody's got to convince me on that one by by making one and going. This is what what we're thinking. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's move on to number three. So this one has two parts to it. So the proposed regulation changes. Add grape variety Marquette to the list of permitted grape varieties. And number two, further expansion to the list of permitted grape varieties. Yes. Now there are some little subsections in here. I don't know if you want to get into that, but let's just go with the, the larger form. Add grape variety Marquette. Um, yeah, Marquette. I'm all for us working with different hybrids and... Um, I, I do think that hybrids definitely have a place in their industry, especially with where wineries are popping up. I was recently at Adamo, and they have a bunch of vinifera planted there. They're working with geotextile. But, um, That's some neat shit. It is. It really is. It Holy really God. Is. When um, we went to that one in Quebec, and he's using geotextile. Domaine Saint-Jacques. Yeah, we've got to give a shout-out to Yvonne. Um, wow. Something else I have to write about on my website. Jeez, you know what? I, I actually uh, just recently sent people over to him. They said, we're in Montreal. Where can we go? And I said, hey, why don't you take a half-hour trip outside of Montreal? But, I mean, you take a look at um, Nova Scotia, for example, though, and you see what they've accomplished with the Tidal Bay Appalachian, and those wines are made essentially with hybrids. Actually, not essentially. They're made with hybrid grapes, and those wines taste... For the most part, pretty damn if good. If you can make them taste good, then then go for it. But now, let's, Marquette, let's, let's face it. Let's face it. When we're talking about what's happening in Ontario right now, Baco Noir is our flag bearer, and more often than not, it's not so good. That is correct, and that's the other problem. But as you said, there are, there are regions within Ontario that are starting to pop up, or wineries anyway. Yep. That they can't grow Cabernet, they can't grow Merlot, yep. they can't grow Pinot and Chardonnay are pretty much. They can grow and, anywhere. And one of the hybrids listed here. Well, in I'm going to get. To, I'm going to get to that in a second. But first of all, let's talk Marquette. I've tried a lot of good Marquette. Yep. I think Marquette is one of those varieties that seems to be. It's starting to lean towards well. Pinot Pinot-esque. Yeah. Like it's, and, uh, and it's it, and it, but it still has that kind of rough around the edges, uh, rough around the edges flavor to it. But in a hot in a hot vintage, it can lean more Merlot. It can lean even Cab Francish. So well, I, mean, I even though like when I do my my tastings on New Stock 1010 from uh, time to time with Ted Wallachin, I've got his taste nailed down. He loves big juicy red wine, so I do my honor tasting, but I always bring a bottle of uh, Bacco Noir or something similar for him to taste because I know that Ted loves it. And by the way, Ted loves the Henry of Pelham uh, family or Family Reserve, Spec Family Reserve, Spec Family Reserve, Bacco. He loves that wine. They really, you know what? Here's, I'm just a quick shout out. I don't like Bacco, and you know that. Uh, but a quick shout out to uh, how Henry and Pelham is handling Bacco. It really is, really interesting how they bring that up the, the scale. You got the regular well, Bacco, the old vines Bacco, the Reserve Bacco, and the Spec. Well, they really are doing the, it yeah, justice. Giving the spit polish to to Bacco, and and I mean, if other people will do the same with other grape varieties and not just use them as a cash cow, then yes, I think we should be adding other grape varieties. But, all right, you can say something before I go on, because I do have, I do have a little bit of a, a No, I mean, it's, 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 it's like I said, once again, you know, we've, we've tasted Baco, we've tasted a lot of bad Baco. I think we we're pretty good at giving a shout out to the hybrid grapes that do really well. And one of them is on the list you're about to list, which is not Baco. Good wine is good wine regardless of, of what it's made out of, and I'm always happy when someone brings a bottle of Henry Pelham Baco to my house. Uh, for most places, it's just a little bit too hit or miss, but hybrid grapes have a place in our industry, and it's important that by opening this up, we're allowing wineries to experiment with 
other other varieties. So what they have here is examples of these other varieties are, are Lacadie Blanc, Regent, Harrow HG, which and is... Harrow's HG is the one I wanted to give a shout out to. It's one that is only used by Cooper's Hawk, and I believe they've sold some to one of the other wineries. I'm sorry, I can't remember who. Yeah, but so it's the Lake Erie North Shore that's going to start seeing some of these uh, some of these varieties, unless yep. it makes their way to Niagara. Frontenac, yep. which uh, um, the Carlo uh, uses, makes a great rosé. Yeah, uh, the different color from Frontenac Gris, Frontenac Blonde. I think so. Prince, Prince Edward County is using some of those, and then there's the other Minnesota hybrids. Now, I have always been of the thought that as long as you can prove that the grapes are grown 100% in Ontario, yep. that they should have some sort of designation from Ontario. Yep. Uh, and that has always been my, my thought. It's because uh, everything is just so streamlined to being only these wines, and yet we want to prove that Ontario wineries can make all kinds of things. And it really stymies... Um, any kind of experimentation. Yeah, and I think I think to a greater point um, because by I, not allowing these. Well, and I, I know yours and and my are, are one of our greatest criticisms about the VQA tasting panel is the fact that typicity is one of the things that they taste for, which is still something that I have a problem with. But these are regulations that push things in a direction that that leaves room for more experimentation. Correct. And, and if we it, get away it's, from, a, it's a positive direction. And if we get away from that idea of typicity and just get into the idea that it's an Ontario grape, we can prove it, then we um, get out of the idea of, let's say, black ball Riesling, where, you know, it didn't pay, it didn't, um, it didn't pass based on typicity, but it was still Ontario. Yep. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it yep. is now totally up to your 100%. palate. And it doesn't become a cult wine that people want to go run out and get because uh, the winemaker decided to badmouth VQA because they didn't pass. You know what? You pass because it's 100% Ontario. And then if it's a bad wine, if it's a good wine, buyer beware. You're out there giving it a shot. Yeah, and if you want to make a cult wine, you should put cute little animals on the label and make the black and white. Lord have mercy on my soul. <laughs> Hashtag shameless. Oh, man. Let's hope nobody Speaking of which, uh, did, did I tell you that uh, there's a soft launch of some Chardonnay that me and some friends made? I heard that you were making some wine, but uh, because of shameless plugs, we're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to talk about it. But, but I do want to get your available. winemaker on. Yep. We'll do that maybe and, in the next couple uh, of episodes. And I want to talk to him about it while you shut up in the corner. I will, I will, I'd be more than happy to do that. Boy, so would a lot of listeners. <laughs> oh. All right, well... Yeah, is the VQA a okay? Uh, I'm going to go and say that this is a, a solid uh, thumbs up for me. This is a, th a solid um, uh, work in the right direction. So I hope they pass that. So thumbs up for me, with depending that they do that. <laughs> so subscribe to this podcast. Uh, leave a comment. Leave a review. Love to hear what you think. I am Andre Proof from AndreWineReview.ca, and I'm Michael Pinkus of. Where the hell am I from? Oh, Michael that's Pinkus right. That's I love hearing you say it better than me. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to read, read your newsletter. Oh, wait. I already read your newsletter. It was awesome. Thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.